Hello, everyone. We are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast, where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Today, we are going to talk about the 2021 Monaco Grand Prix, where Charles Leclerc didn't start from pole because of his drive shaft gearbox problem that was whatever happened in qualifying. Max Verstappen ended up winning uh, with Carlos Sainz from Ferrari getting his first podium in the red in second place, and Lando Norris ending up in third uh, with a major strategy battle, lots of ups and downs. Uh, not a lot happening on the track, though, but a lot happening behind the scenes and uh, on the strategy team. So, Jordan, uh, how, how did you feel about this race? It may not have been the most interesting on the track, but definitely uh, the strategy battle was there. Yeah, look, I thought it was actually, I thought it was not the most exciting per se, but I thought it was the most interesting race that we had this year so far. And to, to you know, cherry on the Sunday, we had the best podium of the year. Three different teams. I believe it was the second youngest podium in F1 history, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which is great to see. I really enjoyed seeing Carlos and Lando, the buddy, the best friends being on the podium together finally. And it was, uh, Jordan might not like this, but it was nice to see the, uh, the Tifosi uh, have a nice day, the Ferrari, the red back on the podium after a brutal 2020 that they had. You know what? I will agree with you. It makes me really happy to see Ferrari back on the podium. I think both of us will say, though, that it is an absolute shame that Charles Leclerc was not able to start his home race from pole. And um, it's, yeah, look. It's a major... I mean, I don't know if you have this as part of your race review, but um, it's just... It was basically a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation at the Ferrari garage where after Charles Leclerc's crash, you, you take the ga- do you take the gamble of saying we could run the gearbox uh, and not take the penalty, but run the risk of not starting the race? Or do you change the gearbox, take the five-place grid penalty, start from P5 and salvage some points? Look, it's a very, it's a very, very, very um, peculiar situation because you had Charles Leclerc who was in pole position when he crashed. But we saw as, you know, as he had the crash that Verstappen, Bottas, and Sainz were putting in faster sector times. Purple and sectors. His, they were putting in purple sectors. So pole was really up for grabs between a Red Bull, a Ferrari, and a Mercedes. And, and it's very interesting to, to that that didn't end up happening. We weren't able to see that play out. And Toto Wolf said in, a, in an interview after qualifying, he said that there should be a rule like an Indy car where if you cause a red flag in a session, your pole lap or your fast slap should be deleted. And honestly, I think that that's, that could be very interesting going forward. We can have another podcast debating this topic, but I, I, uh, I unfortunately agree with Toto. I think that I would have loved to have seen Carlos, even Max on the on pole. If they were putting in faster time, I think it was very unfair to them. But look, we had Charles not start on pole. It wasn't a gearbox issue. It was a rear issue, but something that they didn't check um, that morning. 
because they were mainly focused on the gearbox because if the listeners who don't know don't know this if you change the gearbox between qualifying and the race that's a grid penalty it ranges from five to ten places in most cases it is ten places so he would have went from pole to tenth position if he had changed the gearbox which is big in formula one and big for the monaco grand prix where there are not a lot of overtakes yeah and this year we were very very uh we were very very uh weak in the overtake department but jonah what do you have to say for this segment uh okay well we're we're gonna go right into it actually so uh for those of you who have not listened to any of our race reviews before we have four major points that we want to talk about uh for each of us we have the most dramatic moment the best overtake the most entertaining moment and the most surprising moment so uh also before we go into that i'm happy that you managed you you mentioned uh three different teams on the podium because the Monaco 2021 podium was the same as the Monaco 2011 podium where a Red Bull, a Ferrari and a McLaren were on the podium in that order. In 2011, it was Vettel, Alonso and Button. And this year it was Verstappen, Sainz and Norris. So very interesting to see. Um, you know what? Let's go into our most surprising moment of, of the race. So for me, the most surprising moment was definitely the absolute masterclass of the Aston Martin strategy team. I know that I'm, I look, I love Aston Martin. Everyone that watches this show knows that we are huge Aston Martin fans and I am so happy that finally, in the most intense, in the most difficult race of the entire year, both cars got into the points. And it was due to an an absolute powerhouse strategy call from Aston Martin, with Stroll, who was starting in 13th, deciding to stay on the hards, uh, start on the hard, sorry, the hard tires, go long and then switch onto soft tires and push his way up and beat uh, everyone on strategy to Vettel who started on the same tires that he went on in Q2, but still managed to gain places from Lewis Hamilton and from Pierre Gasly and to end up in P5 is absolutely amazing. And they was a genius strategy move like Mercedes hitting Hamilton twice in Barcelona, getting both cars into the points was amazing. And the way that it turned out with Vettel P5 and Stroll P8 was absolutely great. And that for me was my most surprising moment is that they managed to pull that off. Well, that's, you know, I was, I was going to talk about that a little later, um, but I won't get into that now but I do agree that that's so great to see. I was so happy. And for those who don't, who do, don't listen, for those who do listen, they know that I love Aston Martin. I'm a very big fan of Lance Stroll. But unfortunately, this season, I don't have a lot of faith in them. And Jonah knows this. I text him this all the time. Ah, it's not happening. Not this race. Not happening. So seeing that to, for me was like, it was like, a le- it was like a leap of faith. It was seeing uh, a little a little uh, flame turn into a big fire and it really made me happy 
But I didn't choose that for my most surprising moment. For my most surprising moment, I didn't choose a moment that did happen. I chose something that didn't happen. And that's Daniel Ricardo not being in the points. Yeah. Because Daniel Ricardo is the Red Bull winner of the Monaco Grand Prix. And that race, I believe it was two or three years ago, was a fantastic race. And Daniel Ricardo is known to drive really well on this circuit. He has consistent top 10 finishes. And now in a McLaren car that's shown it could be on the podium, it has been in two out of five races, Daniel Ricardo could not even bring it to the points. To me, that is what surprised me the most this race, because I thought, like in Portugal, a track where he has experience, he would have had a great weekend, but he didn't in tracks where he has experience. So to me, that's just unlike Daniel Ricardo, and, I, and, I, and I'm very shocked to see it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it was really, it was really, really tough and, and surprising. Not only that Ricardo wasn't in the points, especially where he won his redemption race in Monaco in 2018. Um, and that right behind him was Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion. Uh, both of them who have had a history of winning at Monaco or at least doing very well in Monaco, all of a sudden showing up in cars where their teammates have done exceptionally well, uh, most more to Norris scoring a podium and Ricardo finishing 12th. Um, I, and at one point they lapped each other and I don't know what was going on. There was apparently some drama there, but now apparently the reporters took it out of context. It's a whole thing. Yeah, so with, with all that, with all that going on, I, I'm, I agree with you. That was, I did not expect Daniel Ricardo to not get into the points, especially with all of the mess ups that happened in certain teams and certain drivers, which I'm going to get into later. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that that is, uh, that is pretty surprising. Um, also, I, I definitely didn't think about this until now, but another surprising moment was Antonio Giovinazzi actually getting points. Yeah. And an Alfa honorable Romeo, mention. Honorable mention to Antonio Giovinazzi scoring with the first Alfa Romeo points of the year. Um but yeah, those those are two very surprising moments. Uh with that being said, uh Jordan, what is your most entertaining moment of the Grand Prix? All right. So maybe we might have uh, a similar most entertaining moment of the Grand Prix, but Unfortunately, my most entertaining moment didn't happen on the track. It happened in the pit. Is this, and, is this what I think it is? <laughs> and I really thought he was going to pull out a P2. I really thought that he was going to challenge for the win even. But it pains me to say that Valtteri Bottas DNF'd because the bolt would not come off his car <laughs> if a hammer took it off. Yeah. And seeing that, like, I was watching, I was watching, and, and I'm, I was confused for the first five seconds. I get up, I'm standing up, I'm like, what's going on? Just like everybody else, I was staring and befuffled for a solid five minutes because of that. And that was very entertaining to watch. It was, you know, it, it was something that you didn't expect to happen at the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, and yeah, it was the most entertaining moment of the race. 
unfortunately I, for me. I agree with you. Look, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas has been in the butt of so many of my jokes. And he's, I keep on saying it's like, what, he's not going to pick it up. He's not going to do anything. And whenever something bad happens at Mercedes, it's always Valtteri Bottas that is victim of it. And it didn't, it showed so much this race where you managed to, for the first time in a very long time, actually beat your seven time world champion teammate by a substantial amount. By a substantial amount. Let us not forget that Hamilton finished the race in seventh place and that Max Verstappen and Red Bull are leading both championships. And it's the first time that Mercedes hasn't led the championship since Germany of 2018, just saying. Um, but, uh, Valtteri, I feel, at, at this point, I find it comedic and extremely funny that whenever something goes wrong, it always has to be with Valtteri Bottas. There could be a completely normal race throughout the entire grid and... For all we know, Valtteri Bottas's tire is just going to fall off or he'll have a gear shaft problem <laughs> or he is, his engine will just blow up or who knows, but it will always be Valtteri Bottas. And normally it would be his own doing, but this time it wasn't. And that just adds to just a mix of bad luck and selfish for the wrong reasons that I've been saying throughout this entire season about Valtteri Bottas. Um, but that wheel nut, I, I, I saw a great meme about that actually was Mercedes. They, it was a meme of Mercedes slowest pit stops in the last year. And number two was secure 2020. And then number one, was Monaco 2021 going at 21 hours and counting because they can't get <laughs> the wheel off. <laughs> so that was that was an absolutely entertaining moment. And it was mine too. Surprise, surprise. But I find yeah, it I find I it so funny. <laughs> but Jonah, having said that, let's get to the overtaking that right. didn't happen, but that we're gonna talk about anyway. You know what? Let's talk about overtaking, okay? There was one, one or two. There might have been one or two actual on-track overtakes, uh, one of which I will talk about later because of that weird TV coverage that happened this, this weekend. But I'm taking this more of a symbolic route than an actual substantial impact on the race i'm going to talk about lap one where nikita mazepin passed mick schumacher at the hairpin and who knew i mean same thing with nikita mazepin he's been at the butt of so many people's jokes not as much as my jokes but uh of a lot of people's jokes and his entry into the f1 grid was not really respected by some or by most and he finally showed i mean his his race wasn't fantastic but he finally showed that he could actually stick it to his own teammate 
and ended up passing him at a place where normally you don't expect a lot of people to overtake, especially at the slowest corner in the entire F1 grid. Uh, the only turn where drivers are actually in first gear and that's the speed around that corner is 50 kilometers an hour. So I, I will say props to Nikita Mazepin for that. That was my best overtake. I enjoyed it for a symbolic reason. Um, yeah, so I was, I was actually going to talk about that same overtake, funny enough. Wow, we're um, on par today, Jordan. Yeah, today we're, 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 we're getting along. We're doing well. Yeah, I was going to talk about that same overtake because it's the only overtake, like you said, where you're in gear one, the hairpine, slowest you know, part of the F1 calendar. And um, I, wouldn't, I would say it, it's symbolic too because you know, there's, there's the kind of this, I mean, I'm not really one to speak, but there's sort of this unspoken rivalry between Mick and Nikita Mazepin just because Mick is the one who's really in F1 because he deserves it, whereas Nikita Mazepin, I'm going to say is less so. Um, and so because, you know, Mick has been showing that he kind of deserves more to be in F1 than Mick, I feel like that was kind of a coming out party for Nikita Mazepin to be like, I'm here. You can't fuck with me on lap one. Excuse my language. On lap one of, 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 of Monaco. But, uh, but yeah, it's actually funny how I was, I was supposed to talk about that same overtake. We're, we're on par today. Out of, for, for many episodes where we've had lots of hot takes and lots of disagreements, this has actually been a very... Very calm episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with that being said, uh, we're, we're almost at the end of it. What was your most dramatic moment? So my most dramatic moment is what was not shown on TV. Unfortunately, the most dramatic moment was when Vettel was coming out of the pit lane. And I think it was maybe like the only wheel-to-wheel battle we saw in the race. The entire the, race. The, like the entire race. Um, aside maybe from lap one, um, where Vettel was coming out of the pit lane and Hamilton and Pierre Gasly's Alpha Tauri were also in uh, range from when he was coming out of the pit lane and they were neck and neck as soon as he came out of his lane. And Hamilton was a little bit more behind and he was battling more with Gasly. What was so dramatic about it was the fact that we didn't get to see the end. And the producers, I've seen many videos about this, where F1, you know, normally has full coverage and full uh, control over the production of the races, except for the Monaco Grand Prix. Exactly. They have a certain deal with another production team. a A channel from France, I think. Exactly, where they handle the production. And these guys, they got to go. They got to go because I didn't get to see what happened at the end. And as soon as they wanted to show a replay of what happened, they went back to cutting to cutting it and showing something else. Yeah. And it was just an absolute travesty. I, I agree with you, actually. We're, yeah, we're so very much on par today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, I mean... Let's, let's not, not forget. Be? There's, there's yachts, there's beautiful water, 
yeah. principality of Monaco with the beautiful cars. We're 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 incoherent. We're 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 good. We're good. Let's let's not forget though that the wheel to wheel battle was interrupted by the camera crew going to Lance Stroll. <laughs> yeah, screwing and up. If if there's one, I think this will probably be the only time where I will be sad to see Lance Stroll on my screen because it deprived us of an intense wheel-to-wheel battle between Vettel and Gasly. And it ended up, even, even David Croft was like, what's going on? We, we're going to see it. No, instead, we're going to see Lance Stroll, I guess. And Yeah. Uh, look, Lance... You're an amazing driver, but this is not your fault. <laughs> he's been he's become a meme also on the internet for the last few for the last few days because you could see anything that's gonna happen, and then as soon as you get to the apex of the moment, it'll just cut to Lance Stroll hitting a barrier or something like that. So, yeah, I um, saw that. Look, I I think that that was also the most dramatic moment just because it was the most intense racing that we had on track. I mean, Monaco is a a completely different circuit just because of its history of the fact that it really shows, it really is the definition of a street circuit. Your pit speed is limited in Monaco. Normally, it's 80 kilometers at all tracks. It's 60 kilometers in Monaco. Um, Strategy is the most important of all in this race. And the one actual wheel-to-wheel action we got, it just ended up being shut off by the production crew. So uh, I agree with you. F1 media, please take it over because I don't want that to happen again. And the honest and the lack thereof. It's funny because every year in Monaco we have at least one or two really good overtakes, especially at the Nouvelle Chicane. Yeah. Um, coming out of the tunnel, um, because that's a really hard braking zone. After a long straight with a braking zone that's you know sloped downwards, we normally get a lot of not a lot, but some overtakes done there. Um, also, you know, sometimes you know we get some close action at swimming pool. This year we had nothing. Turn one zero. It was no Hararics into Sandavat, please. <laughs> Raskast two. Raskast nothing happened. The Raskast. It was a very interesting Monaco Grand Prix because, as we saw in Spain, it really highlighted the importance of strategy, and it really highlighted how. We've developed as, you know, how the FIA and how Formula One has developed throughout the years. They were talking about how in the first Monaco Grand Prix, the average speed was 60 kilometers an hour, whereas now it's 180 something, 184, I think it was. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy to see how far we've come. And this circuit itself, it's just beautiful to watch. You see them, you know, at the swimming pool area with the boats next to it. You see them at Raskast with the building. I think like Nico Rosberg and I, I believe Max Verstappen's school is at Raskast. Like it's, it's really interesting to see. Um, the race has this essence of richness, of just overall, you know, F1 history of, and it feels good to watch. So for that reason, it's why I love the race. 
and it really highlighted the importance of strategy because we did not get any real wheel-to-wheel racing. We got the brains of the teams getting that McLaren and getting that, you know, Ferrari onto the podium. Well, with a little help of Mercedes uh, having lack thereof brains in the in the in, in the pit lane. One thing that we could talk of about actually, and I think this is another dramatic moment that I want to highlight, is. Lewis Hamilton absolutely losing his mind. Yeah. After after he ended up losing places to Sergio Perez, to Pierre Gasly, to Sebastian Vettel on pit stops, where for a guy who keeps on complaining about his tires being gone and his tires dying and he can't it might, not it be, might be it able might be to hold trick. off the tires. Uh, yeah, if, if it's a t- trick, then I will be very surprised at this mental game that Lewis Hamilton's been playing for like three years. So, um, well, for we, know, him- we know that McLaren has the code. They have like, like Lando says, like tires are three, rears are four, and they have some sort of code that we can't figure out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just, just to see Lewis Hamilton lose his mind like that after, his strategy team, which has saved his races so many times, even this season in Bahrain and in Barcelona, um, completely miss this this week. And neutral F1 fans are definitely thanking Mercedes for it, but Lewis Hamilton is definitely not thanking his strategy team for it. And no. I think that seventh place is extremely disappointing for him. Uh, yeah, especially now that he is behind Max Verstappen, the Dutchman, in the World Championship standings. Jonah, do you have any predictions for Baku? It's coming up in two weeks, and I know that it's one of your favorite races. I am, I am so excited this is my this is my second favorite race on the calendar because the Canadian Grand Prix is will always be my number one race on the calendar. But Baku, I am so excited. And the title fight that we have just got or just gotten because of Max Verstappen winning, Lewis Hamilton in seventh, Valtteri Bottas DNFing. Sergio Perez did well today. He ended up in fourth. Um, I am so ready for what's going to happen in Baku. I think, get ready for this, Jordan. I think that this is going to be a repeat of 2017. Lance Stroll is going to be on the podium in Baku. Okay? And he is going to be partnered by his former teammate, Sergio Perez, on the podium. I don't know how, but that's what I think is going to happen. And I don't know who's going to I don't know who's going to win. It might be Perez. There were no hot takes all episode and then you end it with this. Look, maybe I'm just riding on the hype of Aston Martin completely wiping the floor with everyone today on strategy or not today, but on Sunday on race day. Um, but I think I think that it's possible. We've seen how well that how well that Mercedes engine has done. And I think that this is finally the time that Sergio Perez picks it up. I don't know who's going to be on the podium with them, but I feel like it's going to be those two because think of secure 
2020, where Sergio Perez was on the podium with Esteban Ocon and Lance Stroll, and both of them, both Ocon and and Perez, some people will say ended up leaving the racing point team due to Lance Stroll. Uh, so I think that that tie is still going to be there and it's going to be with Sergio Perez uh, on the podium with Lance. Uh, I don't know who's going to be on top though, but I'm, I'm feeling that I, this is, this is Lance's track. This is Sergio's track. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Very, very hot take. Now you might not like my take, but I got two really good ones. And I actually really think they're going to come true. I think that it's finally, Finally, Valtteri Bottas's weekend. You said th- this for Monaco, Jordan. He, we don't know what could have happened in Monaco had they not had a had a bolt that would have that didn't didn't come off. He will be in P one and will win the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. In P two, we're gonna see the man who said, "I am stupid. I am stupid." He's not gonna be stupid anymore. He is going to be in P2. The Monegasque himself, Charles Leclerc, is going to be in P2. I think that Ferrari showed that they're capable of doing really well on street circuits. Baku is another street circuit. He, that engine is evolving. He's evolving as a driver. He has fire in him from last weekend from not starting. He will be in P2 and will follow up Valtteri Bottas in P1 at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. So I have Lance and Perez. You have Bottas and Leclerc. Do we, can we just come to a middle ground and say that Hamilton is going to fill out both of our podium positions that we have left? Sure. That's a very safe bet. Yeah, this is a very safe bet. Uh, so your podium would be Bottas, Leclerc, Hamilton, and mine would be Hamilton, Perez, Stroll. So Verstappen is not there. We forgot about Verstappen. You know what? I, who knows? Max Verstappen hasn't had the greatest time in Baku. So he also, this is also his first season where he has not DNF'd um, in the first uh, five races. Maybe. So, Maybe sixth times so a charm. I don't know. Who knows? But I really am confident in Bottas and Charles Leclerc's capability to get themselves on the podium. I am I'm confident in it. I think the last place will either be Hamilton, Verstappen, um, one of them too. But it's, I think it's Bottas and Leclerc's weekend to shine. Well, I cannot wait for Baku. This is probably the most hype that I've been for a race that isn't the Canadian Grand Prix. So (laughs) if you want to see how we are reacting to the rest of the season, and especially for Baku in at the time of recording 10 days time, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the JJF1 podcast and like our Facebook page. And we will see you for the next episode. See ya. Bye.